The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, hi, everybody. It's good to be with you again. I've been missing you, and uh, nobody has written me any emails. I don't know why, um, but my email address is Rabbi Mel at griefok.com. I need suggestions. I could talk about whatever I want to talk about, but I'd rather talk about what you want to talk about. So if you have suggestions about how to make the show better, and I know you're listening from all over the world, because they send me the figures and the statistics, and I'm honored that so many people listen from all over the place, Um, but uh, talk to me, talk to me. If you send me an email, I'll send you a book. How's that? Send me an email, I'll send you a book. Okay. So tonight, we're going to do some superstition stuff. We're going to start out with superstition. And the reason we're going to do that is because death is a very superstitious topic to talk about, to think about. You know, in um, Yiddish, which is Germanized Hebrew language, we have a couple phrases. So, for example, if we're talking about something that we do not want to happen, we might say, well, I hope he, you know, doesn't die soon. Poo, poo, poo. Poo, poo, poo means let him not die soon. Or we talk about the evil eye. So we might say, uh, you know, he's not feeling well. I hope he feels better, Kenainahara. Kenainahara means uh, keep the evil eye away from him. And it's sort of a superstitious way. Now we know that there's no such thing as an evil eye. We understand that, but we care so much about the people that we care for that we even go to superstitions. And one of the things that is important about superstitions is they sometimes serve to protect us from real fear of death. 
they sometimes serve to protect us from real feel of death, real fear of death. So we may use a superstitious phrase, and that's easier than being terribly afraid. I'll tell you what I mean, you'll understand better. So let me start with a question. If you see a quarter lying on the grave, what does it mean? Well, it's obviously a superstition about death and burial. I'm going to tell you what it means. I'm quoting to you from a scholar whose name was Malenfant, who wrote a lot about superstition and death and the connection and, and how superstitions often help us cope with death. So one of his responsibilities at the cemetery that he worked, uh, he worked at a cemetery for fallen soldiers, and his job was what they used to call the cleaning of the stones. Now, you know what that means. Um, you'll go to a cemetery to visit somebody, and you'll see stones often that are on top of the gravestones. In the Jewish tradition and in every other tradition, it means people have been there to visit, usually family members. And it's a sign of honor and respect and love that you go and before you leave, you pick up a stone and you leave it on the grave. But what happens uh, he asked, while doing that job one day, he noticed a quarter placed on one of the headstones, and he became very curious about it. So when he discovered a nickel placed on a different stone, he realized there had to be a reason behind it. Compelled by what he saw and curious about what he saw, he took photos and decided to look into it. When he learned their meaning, his heart was so touched that he had to share the story with others. And this is what he says. I'm quoting him. A coin left on a headstone lets the deceased soldier's family know that somebody stopped by to pay their respect. Leaving a penny means you visited. A nickel means that you and the deceased soldier trained at boot camp together. If you sold with a soldier, you leave a dime. A quarter is very significant because it means that you were there when that soldier died. He wrote this explanation on Facebook several years ago. So it's truly a superstition, and I have 13 more strange superstitions about death that I'd like to share with you. There was an article a few years ago on the Huffington Post newspaper that said, 
Death is an uncomfortable subject for many folks. Perhaps the severe emotional reaction people have to death, especially if it's someone close, that makes the living act in bizarre ways. Or maybe it's because death's process is not so well understood that causes normally rational individuals to believe in irrational concepts. You know, we've talked about this before. We said that when someone dies, we know what happens to their body. It's disposed of in many different kinds of ways. Some, most bodies are buried in the ground, in the earth. Some bodies are cremated. If you die on a ship, then they toss you overboard and bury you in the water. So there are lots of ways that we dispose of bodies. But we don't know anything about what happens to the soul after they die. And it's because we don't know what happens to the soul after they die that we create these superstitions. So the coins are, uh, they have meaning. Uh, you and I never heard of these meanings, but now we know. It has to do with serving with them, training with them to protect your country. Now, some more superstitions. Coins on the eyes. Sometimes when we prepare the body of someone who's died, we may place coins on their eyes. The practice dates back to the ancient Greeks who believed the dead would travel down to Hades and need to cross the river Styx in order to arrive in the afterlife. To cross over, they needed to pay the boat driver, Sharon, so coins were placed over the eyes of the dead so they'd be able to pay the fare. Now, I never heard that till I researched it. I'm sure you never did either. That's the first reason there are coins placed on the eyes. Secondly, and more practically, many people die with their eyes open. This can be sometimes a rather creepy feeling, having the dead stare back at you. And it was thought the dead might be eyeing someone to go with them. Because I will tell you that the angel of death will take as many bodies as he can. That's not just in my tradition, that's in every religious tradition. As long as the angel of death is in the house, he will take as many people as he can with them. That's why in a Jewish house of mourning, we cover up the mirrors. First, because we don't really care how we look physically in the face of death. And second, if the angel of death is still there, we don't want him to see anyone and take anyone else with him. So the first reason 
was that the coins were a fare to pay the driver. The, um, the most famous, well, let's see. Uh, we know it's creepy. We've seen too much television. And on television, people die with their eyes open. Uh, we don't, we, we cover their eyes because it's a sign of respect. Coins were a practical item to weigh down the eyelids until rigor mortis set in. Coins being round and fit in the eye sockets as well as being relatively heavy. So until rigor mortis set in and the eyelids dropped naturally because of their weight, sometimes coins would be placed on the eyes. The most famous set of eye coins is the two silver half dollars set on Abraham Lincoln, now on display in the Chicago Historical Museum. So the next time you're in Chicago, go to the museum, look for those coins. They're famous. Because when Abe Lincoln was shot, they were ones that were put on his eyelids. Now I want to talk about another superstition, which has to do with birds and death. Actually, any animal. You've heard, I'm sure, sometimes, I know I have, that after mama will die, so daughter will be walking around the house um, once or, or twice, and she'll see a bird on the outside windowsill. And the bird just sort of stays there and, and gives her a look, a different kind of look. And she's convinced that's the soul of her mother that has become part of the bird, and the bird carries her mother's soul, and that's why the bird is there. But that's not the real reason. Birds were long held to be messengers to the afterlife because of their ability to soar through the air through the homes of the gods. It's not surprising at all that a number of myths materialized, such as hearing an owl hoot your name, ravens and crows circling your house, striking your window, entering your house, or sitting on your windowsill looking in. Birds in general became harbingers of death, but somehow the only birds I personally associate with death are vultures. I don't know what I would do if I saw a bird looking at me. I'd be scared to death because that's kind of freaky stuff. And we're not used to it. And it's scary. But that's what superstition can be all about. I'll tell you one more before the break. Burying the dead facing east. You probably never noticed, but most cemeteries are laid out 
on an east-west grid with headstones on the west and the feet pointing outwardly toward the east. This comes from the belief that the dead should be able to see the new world rising in the east as with the sun. It's also the primary reason that people are buried on their backs and not bundled in the fetal position like before they were born. So you may see uh, at a funeral that the dead are placed in a coffin and they're facing east. Now in Jewish tradition, everybody faces east. Uh, when we pray in our religious services, we face east. When we bury, we bury them towards the east. Why? Because Jerusalem, the holiest city for us, is in the east. And we want them to be connected with Jerusalem. And so everything faces east. Okay. I think we may have time for one more. You remove a corpse feet first. You can watch television on the shows and you can see that when somebody dies, the police and the first responders may remove the corpse feet first. I'll let you wonder about that, wonder why they do that, and when we come back, I'll start with that. I'll be right here waiting, so stick with me. Bye-bye. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life is a journey which never gets easier. As we go through life, we just handle things better as we get to know ourselves. Listen for the Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli believes that each of us are pre-programmed with all the answers and tools we need to move through any situation life throws at us. It's discovering those tools and answers that will set us on the right path to enjoying and navigating life. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hi, I'm back. And I hope you thought about why you remove a corpse feet first. I'm going to tell you why. This was Body Removal 101 that uh, is taught in coroner school. Coroners always remove the body from a house with the feet first. The practice dates from Victorian times when it was thought if the corpse went out head first, it would be able to look back and beckon those standing behind to follow, which is sort of the opposite of the angel of death taking more bodies with him. So you don't want the, the dead to look back. One death is enough. That's plenty. And so you take them out feet first so they can't look back. It's still considered a sign of respect. But coroners and funeral directors secretly know it's a way easier to handle a body in rigor mortis by bending it at the knees to get around corners rather than forcing the large muscles at the waist or wrenching the neck. That's a way of honoring the dead. And you see it on your favorite television show. Uh, no matter what that show might be, that's what happens. So that's the real reason. But the superstitious reason, so that it wouldn't look back and ask somebody to come with it. All right, another superstition is to cover the mirrors, which I talked about a little before. It's been said that all mirrors when the vicinity of a dead body must be covered to prevent the soul from being reflected back 
during its attempt to pass out of the body and on to the afterlife. This practice is apparently strong in Jewish morning tradition and may have a practical purpose as well, to prevent vanity in the mourners so they can't reflect their own appearance, rather forcing them to focus on remembering and respecting the departed. Which leads me to another thought, and that is, do you remember how people used to get dressed for funerals? Well, I remember that people used to dress up for funerals. The men would put a suit on, and the women would put a dress on. And the kids would be similarly dressed up. It was a sign of honoring the dead. But what happens when we attend a funeral today? People go to funerals as if they're going to a baseball game or a soccer match. I consider that disrespectful. Now, I know that traditions change, and I know that the world today is different than it was 25 years ago. I remember, and so do you, that when we would fly on a plane, we would get dressed up. It was that kind of experience. Not today. But we don't dress up today because we want to be comfortable. And, and planes are very uncomfortable. So we don't dress up on planes. I just wish that funerals could be different. I just wish that people would remind themselves that, you know, you should get dressed up for a funeral because it's a sign of respect to the dead. Okay. Another superstition, stopping the clock. Apparently, this was a sign that time was over for the dead and that the clock must not be restarted until the deceased was buried. If it were the head of the household who died, then that clock would never be started again. It makes me think of the song that goes, My grandfather's clock was too large for the shelf, so it stood 90 years on the floor. It was taller by half than the old man himself, though it weighed not a penny weight more. It was bought on the morn of the day that he was born and was always his treasure and pride. But it stopped short, never to go again, when the old man died. Now, I must tell you, I never heard that song. I never heard that poem. But, and I never knew of the tradition that you stopped the clock in a house of, of mourning. Never heard it. But apparently it is one of those death superstitions. Next, flowers on the grave. Lots of people put flowers on the grave at the cemetery. So flowers, sometimes they're, they grow on the grave and sometimes they're plants and they don't. And Well, if wildflowers appeared naturally, 
It was a sign the deceased had been good and had gone on to heaven. Conversely, a barren and dusty grave was a sign of evil and Hades. You know where that is. So the custom evolved to putting artificial flowers on the grave. Although it's now discouraged by most cemeteries due to maintenance issues. Costs money. You know, you have to take care of the flowers. Somebody's going to have to do it. Additionally, it's always been practiced to put flowers on a casket. This seems to have come from another practical reason. The smell from scented flowers helped mask the odor of decomposition. And this is a difficult topic to talk about, but I don't shy away from difficult topics. So you know that when the body dies, it starts to give off an aroma. And what happens uh, a lot of times is that in funeral homes, the body will be placed in a refrigerator in a cooler so that the, the aroma will not um, spread and no one else who's in the funeral home will smell the aroma. In Jewish tradition, we have a custom where in order to limit the amount of odor from the dead, we have the funeral as soon as possible. Yes, we will keep them in the cooler, but we hope to have the funeral even the day after he or she dies as uh, in order to prevent that odor from sticking around. doesn't smell very good. You don't want to be in the same room. Now, sometimes... Um, if there's an autopsy, um, biopsy, um, some of the blood is drained and the aroma goes away. But I like a natural death. And so we Jews, at least, try to have the funeral as soon as possible after death. Uh, this week, I will have officiated at three funerals. Uh, my friend David died in Denver. He died Friday night, and the funeral was Monday. And then I had another member of my congregation, and she died on Monday, and her funeral was today. And, I, and while I was at the cemetery... I found out that someone else had died, and their funeral is going to be tomorrow. So we don't like to wait. We like to have the funeral as soon as possible, out of respect, not only honoring the dead, but also respect for the living. And you can understand why, I'm sure. Another superstition, pregnant women must avoid funerals. I've heard that. When I was a child growing up, 
you know, and there was a funeral. The family would not let anyone who was pregnant attend. It was unlucky. And the spirit of death might be catching. And so pregnant women were not allowed to go. Do you ever hear this? I didn't uh, until I was 10 years old. It seems to have come from a perceived risk where pregnant women might be overcome by emotion during the funeral ceremony and miscarry. Well, I haven't heard about that happening ever. It might have happened 50 or 60 years ago, but I certainly have not heard about it, you know, in the last 20 years. Uh, nevertheless, it is one of those superstitions. Here's one that you've heard before, and that is celebrities die in threes. Most people heard that Ed McMahon, Sarah Fawcett, and Michael Jackson died three days in a row. It's an urban myth that this always occurs with celebrities. It's called the celebrity curse. To debunk this, the New York Times went back 25 years in their archives. And apparently this is the only time three well-known celebrities died in a three-day group. It just doesn't happen. Seems like it does, but studies have been done, and it's really a myth, and it's a superstition. But I'll tell you, you know, when I was at the cemetery this morning, 10 minutes before the service start started, Yesterday I was talking to my co-worker and we were talking about this superstition about how people die in threes. And I said, no, and I quoted this study and I said, it's not true, people do not die in threes. So she called me 10 minutes before the funeral was supposed to start and instead of saying hello, she said, people die in threes. And she told me about the death of this third woman who's going to be buried tomorrow morning. So, go know. Maybe they do, and maybe they don't. Okay, another superstition. Hold your breath. You must hold your breath while passing the graveyard to prevent drawing in a restless spirit trying to re-enter the physical world. Well, so what do we learn from that? Again, we learn that once the uh, evil spirit takes one, he wants to take another one. And so when he's done with the first one, he may want to come back into the physical world and take another one with him wherever he lives. That might be a problem, just holding your breath. For example, if you're passing a city called Wadi-Us-Salam in Najaf, Iraq, it's the world's largest cemetery. 
had 1,485 and a half acres and holds over 5 million bodies. So I don't think anybody's going to hold their breath when they pass this cemetery. But I remember the tradition that when you were driving in your car on a trip and you went over a bridge, a long bridge, you were supposed to hold your breath until you got to the other side. I don't know what that was about. I have a feeling there may be a connection with this superstition, but I guess we'll never know. Another superstition, and the thunder rolls. I'm not talking about the Garth Brooks song. It's thought that hearing thunder during a funeral service is a sign of the departed soul being accepted into heaven. Did you ever hear that? I never heard that. I don't like thunder during funerals because uh, there's not much to cover us, and we're in a little bit of danger. When I grew up, thunder was thought to be associated with lightning. Being struck by lightning was always a sign of bad luck. So you sure didn't want that to happen in a cemetery. Although one of my cynical colleagues said, well, why not? At least you're in the cemetery. You're close. You're right there by your grave. I didn't laugh. I didn't think that was funny. One, uh, two more uh, superstitions. One is funeral processions. There are lots of superstitious beliefs surrounding funeral processions. First, it's considered very bad fortune to transport a body in your own vehicle. Well, I don't know who does that. I suppose, you know, in the old days, in the 20s and 30s, they probably did that, but you and I have never seen that. And approaching a funeral procession without pulling over to the side and stopping is not only bad taste, but it's illegal in some jurisdictions. Don't you just hate it when you're in a funeral procession and some guy who's got no sense at all sees the hearse at, fr at the front of the line, but he stays where he is or he'll break in line? Honestly, I want to hit him. I want to slam my car into him. He deserves it. It's so that if a procession stops along the way, another person will soon die, and the corpse must never pass over the same section of road twice. Counting cars in a procession is dangerous because it's like counting the days to your own death. See, the superstition stands in place of the fear. You're superstitious about counting the number of cars. Why? Because you're worried about your own death. You must never see a reflection in a hearse window, as that marks you as a goner. You're next if you see your reflection. 
bringing a baby to a funeral ensures it will die before it turns one. Well, that's a superstition, and that's just not true. I tell people, people ask me a lot, should I take the children to the funeral and to the cemetery? And I say if they're six years old and they have a relationship with the one who died, yes. If they're below six, they really don't know much what's going on, no. You should keep them at home. Why? So you bring a kid to the cemetery who doesn't know what's going on. He or she is going to cry and take your attention away from what you need to be attending to, and that is the funeral and the burial. But if the child is six and can be quiet enough, and you've already discussed what's going to happen, I think it's fine to bring children to a funeral. Now, don't forget, a black cat crossing before a procession dooms the entire parade. Don't know why. Black cats are traditionally seen as evil creatures. I don't know why that's true, but I guess especially during a funeral procession. One thing I know to be true about a funeral procession is what happens when you leave the back door of the hearse unlatched, because you know what's going to happen. Now, it's interesting how um, our language has developed. We used to call it a hearse. Now we don't call it a hearse anymore. What do we call it? We call it a funeral coach. That's right. Ask your local funeral director. He or she will tell you, we don't call it a hearse. Call it a funeral coach. Why? We're trying to hide the pain. We're trying to hide the fear. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're, even with the language, we're trying to pretend it's not what it really is. Um, the family is now the client, not the mourner. We're not called mourners anymore, we're called clients. It's easier to deal with a client than it is to deal with a mourner. Uh, so the language has changed. And I, I'm not sure that's such a good thing. I'm just not sure. Final superstition. Leaving a grave open overnight. I never heard of this in my life. I see this superstition as good, practical advice. According to the International Cemetery Cremation and Funeral Association, the standard grave size is two and a half feet wide by eight feet long by six feet deep. So you can understand why they tell you don't leave it open overnight. Why? Because with a hole that big, somebody would be walking in the cemetery. There may be a couple in love. Who knows? They're walking in the cemetery. If that grave is open, uh-oh, they may fall into it, and they could hurt themselves. So you never leave 
graves open. That's why at our funerals, the grave is closed immediately at the end of the funeral. Now, we Jews have a tradition that uh, we, we begin to fill in the grave ourselves. So we'll take a shovel full of earth, one, two, or three, or a handful or two or three of earth, and we will lovingly place it on the, on the, cost, uh, on the coffin. Again, we used to not rely on funeral directors. We used to live next door to the man who died. We used to carry him in a coffin on our shoulders to the funeral home, uh, to the cemetery, which was always in the middle of the community. Now we farm it out to funeral directors. I wish we didn't have to do that, but we do. But nonetheless, when the funeral is over, I make sure, I make sure that the uh, funeral cemetery staff fully covers up the coffin. Most cemeteries have rules, by the way, that the coffin is either encased in a uh, metal uh, box or it's covered by a slab of metal. That's to keep the ground level. Uh, We bury in wooden coffins, no metal at all in our coffins, so the ground will sink, it will decay, and the ground in the cemetery, uh, it goes up, it goes down, people walk and they hurt themselves, and they fall, and it's not a good thing. So most cemeteries and most cities now have rules that they uh, you have to cover the you have to protect the living, and so you protect them by making sure they don't fall. Well, we're all done. Another show has come to its end. Um, remember superstition. Remember it's a substitute for real fear. There's nothing to fear from death. We know that. But sometimes we're afraid anyway. I will see you all next week. Have a good week. Be good. I love you all. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.